0: Hi there, welcome back to the business side of fitness. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Each week on the show, we'll highlight fitness industry experts to learn about their personal journey and unique perspective. Through these conversations, we'll learn all about what it really takes to succeed in fitness. This show is brought to you by Vanessa Severiano, LLC, specializing in fitness and wellness business development for impactful brands. The time has come to start the show everyone's got a story and now it's time to hear from this week's guest Cuoco Black is a trusted and respected master fitness facility designer, gym brand architect, design academic, and natural bodybuilder. A former faculty member of the New York School of Interior Design, Black advocates for the development of conceptual and theatrical gym models that dominate consumer attention in any fitness marketplace. He promotes an ideal that fitness facilities must embrace design attributes which embrace luxury, motivate fitness consumers to exercise, and most importantly, amplify the brand. His work includes independent gyms, personal training studios, women's-only facilities, residential fitness centers, and new franchise models. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank
1: you for having me.
0: I'm so excited to talk to you because I really do think that the design of fitness facilities has a lot to do with people's desire to show up and consistently go there. If you've ever been to kind of, you know, not to knock a YMCA, but if you've ever gone to, you know, something that's kind of uninspiring, it's not very motivating. And I think that a lot of people are already have a hard enough time going to a gym or fitness studio and the design plays such an important and them actually wanting to be there. So thank you for being here.
1: That's kind of how I got into doing the design of the gyms, which was that exercise, which you just described going into the gym and being uninspired. Um, I was at a gym in Manhattan and um, what came first, the chicken or the egg? I was a designer. I was an academic in New York City and I started picking up uh, bodybuilding, uh, weightlifting and nutrition. And so I went into a really popular gym in the city and I was training there, and I was going, gee, this design's very, you know, really <laughs> underrated. And I said, maybe I should start marketing my design, you know, background with gyms, and that's how I got into it. And actually, my first client was the uh, the gym that I had been exercising in, that I thought it needs some love, and so I gave them some design love. And, it's uh, it's
0: I that's that, I love that that started so naturally for you. You were like, hey, here's an opportunity. Let me use my expertise. And that catapulted you into a whole different career.
1: Yeah, actually, it redirected me because I was in the hospitality industry, actually. Uh, I was designing restaurants and bars in New York City and Paris. So I was in, and, and that will lead into this story further on because um, one of the challenges the industry has is this hospitality boutique design aesthetic. But I was in that industry. And when this opportunity came up to design the gym, it opened up a, a window of opportunity. But not only that, it was like I was had the ability to recognize where there were systemic problems in the industry, uh, historically doing the same thing that they had been doing for 20 years when Arnold Schwarzenegger made pumping iron you can still find gyms that look like the gyms Arnold was training in in pumping iron and that's okay you know everybody has their thing but that's what got me on the path.
0: Right and actually I I worked for David Barton for four years and design played a huge aspect in that facility it was 45,000 square feet and it was Mm very aesthetically pleasing, and it, it's interesting because people, it was very polarizing. People either loved it or they hated right. it with the lighting and the design elements, and they would right. either say, why is this look like this? And there was actually right. a method to the madness with the lighting and being able to see striations in your muscles and all of that, but a lot of people just didn't get it. So do you yeah. feel like people get what you're doing?
1: Yeah, well, what happened is David Barton is really at the top of the apex of, uh, on the design side. And and David Barton works good in city environments, but I think more um, sort of for a widespread appeal, it it, it was too off the, uh, it was too main, it wasn't mainstream enough for the populace. And so uh, I love David Barton's gyms, but I understand the consumer because I'm always looking at this, the design aesthetics from the consumer's point of view, and how do we best target the psychology of the consumer to get them to buy in and if you create a design that's too abstract you're going to alienate people and so i have sort of dialed it down a little bit but also i've got off i've gotten on off the, the beaten path into another trajectory which we can talk about tell us well essentially what it came down to is when i tried to break into the industry i, I met a lot of resistance um, what you might call the fiefdom f-i-f-e-d-o-m it's like the king is his the king's brother and the brother's sons and the nephews and everybody in the family gets to rule the kingdom and it was kind of that way for the fitness industry There was this whole fiefdom and it was the equipment suppliers and the editorial and then all the consultants and industry narratives were all there was this whole group and i couldn't break in it, it was very difficult because i wanted to do something different. And, and there was a story, I, I just posted about this the other day, where Barbara Corcoran um, from Shark Tank sort of had a similar problem when she was trying to break into the real estate industry, which was uh, the good old boys wouldn't let her in. So she said, I'm going to jump over everyone. And so that was sort of a breaking point for me where I realized that I can't go mainstream and try to go mainstream because they're not going to let me in. Were, everybody was elbowing me out. And so what, what I did is uh, as an academic, I studied the industry. And I realized that there were two, there are essentially two methods to developing a gym in the fitness industry. Method one is what I call the legacy gym. It's the gym with the sea of treadmills and the lighting like Home Depot or Walmart. It's the stripe on the wall. Uh, It's, you know, bodybuilding pictures or graffiti it's green astroturf it's like sort of this whole aesthetic and you know I'm not casting any aspersions on the design but I'm saying that's what I called 1.0 gyms and so the industry was doing 1.0 gyms and they kept doing it and they're still building these gyms that look like gyms they've been building for 20 years and then what ended up happening is the boutique market came into the hotel industry the boutique design industry which are the luxury lighting fixtures and the wood walls, all the sexy chill vibe. And so what happened is I think Equinox, um, to their credit, was one of the first brands that picked up on that aesthetic. And then they started building the gyms that had that aesthetic. And then they put in equipment. And so that was where boutique design, in my opinion, sort of evolved. So 1.0 gyms were the muscle legacy gyms. And 2.0 gyms were the gyms that were looking like W Hotels. And condominiums and restaurants and everybody's doing that now. And, I, and so what I did is I created this narrative that gym developers, you can't do 1.0 gyms. You don't want to look like a gym and you don't want to look like a boutique hotel because you look like everyone else. And that's how you lose your brand. And that's the departure point from where I launched my business model.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Actually, I worked for Equinox as well, and a part of the sales pitch was, "Look, we use Venetian plaster and mosaic tiling." It's like drilled into my head that was so many years ago, but I still remember using that narrative in the sales pitch. And yes, I agree. It was like let's take the Ian Schrager, uh, Ian Schreger hotel model and kind of right apply here. it towards gyms, and that makes a lot of sense. So. Um, what is your approach to design for gyms and how does that differ from the 1.0 and the 2.0 gym model?
1: Well, like differentiations, uh, uh, there's a lot of rhetoric, rhetoric around differentiation. You know, people talk about differentiation. But if you're adopting any of the aesthetics from the muscle gyms or the, uh, or the lifestyle gyms, you're not differentiating. You're just incorporating design elements and you're doing what I call gym better sameness. So you're doing something, you're doing it a little bit different, it might be a little bit better, but it's still either a muscle gym or it's a a luxury gym, a boutique gym. So where where I started to think about it, I thought, well, you know, if you want to be your own unique brand, then you have to come up with your own unique concept. And so... What I started doing is I started asking the developers who contacted me because I didn't have a lot in my pipeline when I started this was, you know, what was a favorite Hollywood film that you saw or, you know, what's your favorite artist or book or movie or sculpture or art or fashion, whatever. And so what I try to do is stimulate a, a different way to approach the, the aesthetic part of building a brand. And sort of I reframed my narrative as that I'm not a gym designer, I'm actually more of a conceptual designer. Uh, So I really don't call myself a gym architect, gym designer, I call myself a a conceptual designer. And so some of the first clients that came to me said, showed me their logo and I said, listen, I wanna show you this movie and I showed them some of the features from the movie, Tron, Disney, the Tron film. And then we started incorporating some of these ideas of design, for the gym that integrated the logo to some of the, the sci-fi effects from the Tron movie. And that's how it kind of launched. And actually, all of the developers that I'm working with, once they hear this idea, they, it's, it's just taking off. And so that's the goal is if you want to have a unique gym brand, abandon looking like a muscle gym and abandon looking like a boutique hotel. And let's come up with a unique concept. So for everyone it's different and it's a process.
0: It is a process. The creative process can be lengthy and one of the biggest challenges that I've had with some gym designers that I've worked with in the past is that they don't think Operationally, they just focus on design aesthetic. And I love that you focus on looking at it from a consumer perspective. Like, there are certain things that would just drive me crazy. Like, why are we focusing on all these amazing wood build outs that don't have any practical reasons? Or, my number one pet peeve that I can't stand is why are we still using white grout in the bathroom? The locker room in in any fitness facility is the highest traffic place and white grout is just guaranteed. It gets dirty in my house and four people live here. So imagine with hundreds and hundreds of people coming by, it just makes no sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's like green astroturf. Oh, really? More green astroturf? Really? You're going to do green astroturf? Uh, And which leads me to the question is, you know, why do the developers, and again, I cast no aspersions on the designs themselves the gyms that these developers and these brands are building they're all lovely but they're pedestrian we've seen it all everybody's seen it all and so my objective is always how do you get into the consumer's mindset and seduce the consumer to buy into your gym brand well you don't do it by doing white grout and white tiles and white lockers and looking like a white boutique hotel because that's been done. And the white tile with the Home Depot, I'm sorry, the white grout with the Home Depot tiles. Where I'm going with this, there's these, everyone knows the trademark design features that these gym brands are using. And so a perfect example about the white grout is what I I segued into, which was Green AstroTurf how many times are you going to do green AstroTurf? It's 2020, you know? You've been using green AstroTurf since 1970, okay? So I had a client that came to me, was a really interesting guy. It was the muscle gym type of gym, and he had the the drawings of the muscle bodybuilder, and, you know, it's all real rugged and tough. And he had green AstroTurf, so I said, let's do something do, different. So we found a Hollywood film. It was called Ultraviolet. Mila Jojovich was in the film and it was a dystopian sci-fi film and we borrowed concepts and ideas from that and instead of doing green astroturf what i did is we took five different colors of astroturf i think it was blue yellow gray white and black and we put them in the lanes of the gym and it had never been done before five different colors for an astroturf instead of green astroturf And it was a huge success. Everybody all over the world on Instagram and everybody was following me. As a matter of fact, it's been copied. People are starting to copy the idea. So the point that I'm getting to is that um, Jim Brands need to take these, think about the consumer. These developers aren't thinking about the consumers. They're just listening to the designers, which are just doing the same things. And so I'm saying, stop listening to everyone else and come up with your own narrative.
0: Right. And you make a great point. You can still achieve the same result, which is providing AstroTurf a functional training space while being a little bit creative. And I think, you know, now more than ever, there's more boutique fitness studio concepts, there's more gyms, there's more competition. And how are you going to stand out in the consumer's mind? You know, you really have to be bold nowadays and not afraid to kind of offer something different. So, in your opinion, what makes one space better than another?
1: Uh, Well, you know what, it's what I always, what I talk about a lot, and I always talk about design, not so much from designing a gym. I talk about design as marketing. And really that's the the apex of my, uh, my, my consultation is to talk about marketing and design. And here's the key word, and this is what people need to pay attention to, is shifting fitness consumer attention to what A new what a gym brand or a gym experience could be. In other words, they've seen the gyms that look like muscle gyms. They've seen the gyms that look like boutique hotels. How do you shift them out of that lane into a new lane? And you have to do that with aesthetics because it's visual. So when you can change the consumer's perspective that, whoa, you know, I've never seen a gym like this. They walk in and they've never seen a reception area like this it drops their guard and it gives the sales staff the opportunity to say well let you show what let us show you what else we do and how we're different than our competitors
0: right and i just want to point out to anybody that's listening to this podcast that might think the visual is not that important Think about the popularity of a platform like Instagram. Isn't Instagram just visual? Who is on Instagram? You're just scrolling through. You stop at the interesting, visually appealing photos, and the gym is more of the same. It's a very visual experience. Yes, there's other things that play into it, but it has to be visually appealing and aesthetically pleasing to make people kind of want to keep going and showing up and being a part of this space it's almost like an extension of your brand the design really it's a part of your brand it's a huge part of your brand
1: yes uh, i mean all social media has really changed the landscape at at one time we didn't have all these social media platforms uh, pictorial platforms you know tumblr and you've got facebook and you've got instagram and you've got pinterest and so now this gives uh a gym brand, an opportunity to market across all those platforms and their websites and Twitter. And so you need to have this consistent uh, brand platform that's very differentiated from the competition. Uh, and so um, uh, that it's starting to happen. There, let me give you an example of another trend. Another trend that's happening is people are putting color changing lighting in their gyms and all they're doing is putting color-changing lighting in their gyms. Well, two years ago, that was kind of a novelty, three years ago, only a few people doing that. Now everyone's putting color-changing lighting in your gym. You're no differentiated from anybody else. Everybody's doing color-changing lighting in the gym. So I say, if you're going to put color-changing lighting in the gym, 10X it, amplify it with architectural geometries, Have your finishes interact with the colored lighting. Have somehow your logo integrated into the color changing lighting. Have it programming that does something that reflects your brand. So what I'm saying is what gym developers need to do is they need to differentiate across every aspect of their brand platform. Social media, physical space, all of that together has to be differentiated.
0: You make a really good point, and that's a really good actual tip for somebody that's listening to this that might have an existing gym or studio that's thinking, well, shucks, I already built this place. How can I differentiate myself? And especially now, coming out of quarantine, I think people are looking to kind of spice up the brick and mortar experience since I think a lot of gyms right now are so fearful that they're going to lose market share to online fitness. So I think for a lot of gyms and studios that are listening, uh, that are looking to kind of make things a little bit different without having to make a tremendous investment, I think you're making a really great point about the lighting.
1: Well, well, that's just one thing. So there's a couple of, there's two, seg- two things to segue into here. Uh, it's about branding and it's about digital versus brick and mortar. And so what happened is, as the lockdown happened and the virus media's coverage of the virus escalated, there came this sort of sense of this dystopian fear, what they called the new normal. And it was coming across all the platforms everywhere. And I saw, as an advocate for brick and mortar, I saw how it was affecting the brick and mortar brands, all my clients and and brick and mortar in general. And, And finally, after about, four weeks of this, I I went online on social media and I said, who gets to define what the new normal is going to be? I said, all this is, is weaponized language to undermine brick and mortar's model. So I went online and said, brick and mortar is going to be more powerful than it's ever become because people have realized that ill health not being in shape and weak immunities was part of not working out. So brick and mortar was essentially going to come back stronger than it ever was. I had 24,000 views on that post and over 500 comments from the brick and mortar industry. And so what I'm getting at, there's this sort of of the sense that brick and mortar is never going to come back. It's going to be stronger than it ever was. What's the penetration rate in the fitness industry? 18% for brick and mortar. It's going to go beyond that. So where I'm going with this is if you want to break away from if you're going to come post lockdown and open up your gym everybody's disinfecting but they're not changing your design you've got to change every, you've got to change your whole narrative about the design so here's a simple example of somebody who post-lockdown wants to do something with their brick and mortar gym to appear different. Focus on your reception area only. Don't worry about the rest of the gym. I have what's called, I call the 80-20 rule. It's the Pareto principle. Everyone knows it. you focus 80% of your effort or your investment, say theoretically, your investment in your reception area, make it so differentiated, so cool, so amazing that when people walk in, they're like, wow. And you don't have to spend all your money on the rest of the gym the locker rooms and all the re- all the classrooms all the workout areas just focus on making a great reception area and then later as you scale forward and as the as the so-called pandemic sort of goes past election day and your membership grows back to where it was and greater greater than uh you can work on other parts of the gym so it's the 80 focus on your reception area
0: that makes a lot of sense. I always say first impressions are everything. And I think you yep. get the first impression at the front desk. So by focusing on having an amazing experience, welcoming experience through your front desk staff and having a great, a strong design element there, you're giving somebody that first impression and you are making people feel like, okay, this is a little bit different. It just feels fresh. You could do a refresh without having to make a tremendous investment and i think that people need to need to understand that what do you think the biggest mistake most gym designers are making right now
1: well gym designers and again you know i can't speak on behalf of my counterparts but here's the problem this is what i if i could have a matrix a formula for what the challenge is there's trade shows There's trade shows for the fitness industry where all the gym designers and architects go to the trade show for the fitness industry. All the equipment suppliers are there and all the flooring suppliers are there. And so all the architects who focus on gym design go to the trade show and they come back and they design a gym. And it's got those parts from the gym trade show that get integrated into the gym and it looks like a gym and as a parallel there's a whole industry network boutique design trade shows Where the wallpaper and the furniture and the lighting fixtures and all the boutique design firms, the hospitality design firms, they go to the trade shows, they see the lighting fixtures, the furniture, the flooring, the wall covering, and then they go and get asked to design a gym. And guess what goes into the aesthetics of the gym? The same materials that every other designer, hospitality designer, saw at the hospitality trade show. So that's the problem basically that's it. Everybody's drawing from the same gym design Bible and they're not breaking off into conceptual ideation, new ideas.
0: So what's something that all of your clients have in common? Is it that they were looking for a new concept that they were looking to break free of that gym sameness?
1: Yes, that's exactly it. And that, and, and, and oh, so, so without patting myself on the back, two years of me blogging about this is starting to break through. I'm more busy now than I've been in the past 10 years. It's just incredible. And what it is, is people are realizing two things that they don't want to look like another gym, 1.0 gym, and they don't want to look like a boutique hotel because everyone's doing that. So they want to have their own unique brand. They also realize that post lockdown, they need to do it differently. And so, The developers that I'm working with are not the legacy guys, all the brands that we know. They're mostly new people coming into the marketplace. There's a few brands, big brands that I've been talking to that want to make the change. But it's hard top down to get people to shift with the big brands. But the people that I've been talking to are are really a lot of new developers creating new concepts, new ideas for design, new programming, new design aesthetics. It's really exciting. And I'm excited to show it. It's just, uh, it's really exciting because what I said about the brick and mortar becoming more powerful than it ever was, it's happening in real time. But nobody's paying attention because they're sort of blind, they have blinders on.
0: I mean, I I agree with you. I think this has created tremendous opportunity for a lot of investors. There's going to be some definite consolidation as well. So there's opportunity there. Um, And I definitely think that, you know, if you're looking to kind of make a comeback after the pandemic, you know, putting arrows, directional arrows on your floor and just Providing wipes and 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 disinfectant sprays and hand sanitizers is not the way to go. Okay. <laughs> You've got to think a little bit beyond that. And I do think that, you know, the smart investors out there are still looking to move forward with brick and mortar and the fitness facilities, you know, that's that's home base, right? That's where you get that interpersonal community, that connection. The fitness online, yes, it's amazing, but that's an extension of your brand. That's an extension of what you deliver at your home base. And a lot of people look at things the wrong way. And, you know, I personally am working out on online right now, but that's not, you know, I miss being in the gym. I miss being around people and that camaraderie and seeing the same group of people at 5 a.m. every day. You know, I really do miss that. And I think a lot of people are feeling that way, especially after being on lockdown and isolated for so many months, people are craving that human connection.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because I didn't get into this because um, I guess it's sort of evolving into the conversation what's happening. But part of this dialogue that's been going on between brick and mortars and digital, um, the media and the narrative is being promoted for the advancement of AI digital online it's the next greatest thing and so all you ever hear is this optimistic reporting related to Wall Street, who's invested in Peloton and all these other mirror you know everybody's invested in that. so of course the media's and all their sort of inside editorial is all optimistic but what you don't hear is you don't hear the shortcomings of online online fitness and I've got the emails from people who said, my customers are calling me and say they're sick of digital nobody's talking about that's not in the narrative you don't hear about anybody complaining about digital uh, fitness online platforms being boring it's not social they feel isolated uh, and trapped and so uh, what's happening is I think there's going to be a merging between brick and mortar and what digital is saying. What I'm, where I'm going to is digital and AI, and you can go on and look. and You'll see digital all the time saying it's the end of the gym. You don't need to go to the gym anymore. Brick and mortar gyms are finished. It's all you ever hear being advocacy for digital Fitness, but it's not the, the reality. The reality is that brick and mortars is going to integrate with digital. But I think it'll be 10%. I'll acquiesce. I'll be a nice guy. I'll give tig- digital 10% in brick and mortars, and digital's here to stay. But brick and mortars is going to integrate digital on a small, as extra programming. And what was happening, people were saying, I'm sick of the digital, I'm sick of online, I'm sick of looking in a screen. I wanna get back to my buds, I wanna get back training with my friends, I wanna get the pumping music in the really cool gym. And after that, go pick up my kids and stop at Starbucks and get a latte from the kid I know over at Starbucks. That's sort of my feeling about digital
0: right yeah i mean i I agree with you. It's just the fear machine you know don't don't go to the gyms because they're not safe, but then you should definitely book a flight you know for thirty dollars to go to California <laughs> with a bunch of people you know and on a on a flight that's safe, but not in a gym. I mean, it just makes no sense. I just read something today that said in New York City that museums are open, but gyms are still closed. I mean, that just makes no sense to me, but I Yeah,
1: I I don't understand that. There's another agenda, but I'm I'm not going to get into
0: it. Right, yeah, I don't want to get political with my conspiracy theories over here.
1: (laughs) Um, And, And the point is like, if you just clean your gym and disinfect it with bleach and you open up and you have the gym, you've done nothing to shift fitness consumer attention. You've done nothing, you've got the same gym. So with that comes all those sort of psychological cues about well this was the gym before and now COVID I, I want to have some, something different here and I think there's a big opportunity that people who are paying attention to uh, and, and that's part of the message in this conversation and it's why you called me is because you realize that there's a few people out there and developers and I'm just sort of the me I'm in the I'm the in between but you realize as an editor and a journalist that there's an opportunity out there and you're trying to bring that and and you're seeing that what we're doing and the developers that we're doing is these are the people that are making some changes towards the future.
0: Exactly. And there's a, you can repackage a brick and mortar and deliver an amazing experience, but be different in a positive way and keep people coming back. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the way that the media is spewing right now and the way that you're seeing it online with the you know the arrows and all of that that we talked about so what's your favorite project that you've worked on so far i hope none of your clients are listening the the ones (laughs) that i
1: can't tell you about that are in the pipeline all of our brands what's really interesting is all the developers that i'm working with and i don't take credit for it. it's these guys that have the vision and they have the numbers they have the financing behind it every one is very different one is inspired by tron one's futuristic science fiction and another one's like inspired by asian futurism there's all the all the brands are really cool and different so each one i have sort of a fondness for but the, the, the even more amazing developers that i'm working with are creating entire new concepts it's like the these are the teslas of the f- brick and mortar that that are coming, these really big changes. I can't reveal them to you, because they're just they're just so. Um, just- is such a new experience for the consumer. And I tell people, the developers I work with, think like Disney, think like Elon Musk, you know, Uh, think like uh, Steve Jobs. Very important. Design was very important for Apple. Uh, Guy Kawasaki, who was a tech evangelist for Steve Jobs, talked about design. He said, Apple products, they're there's a reason they look like they do because what the objective is for example the ipod in 19 i don't know what is it 79 or something The mp3 player came onto the marketplace and you had ericsson and sony and motorola all these different technology companies were trying to garner and get that marketplace uh customer for the for the mp3 player okay so ipod comes on the phone you remember the little narrow Uh, anodized aluminum, really colorful little music devices, the iPod. They came into the marketplace from Apple. And within three years, they dominated 75% of the marketplace. And all the old MP3 players went into desk drawers and went onto eBay for sales. So the point is, what I'm trying to say is that design is really important. And you need to think like Tesla and uh, Elon Musk and Disney and create these packages, these really important design elements that get the consumers to buy into the brand.
0: Boom. Hashtag I love that. Boom. I love that. Branding, marketing, sales, design, those are the keys, people. Focus on those. So if somebody's listening to this right now and they want to find out more, they want to connect with you, they want to explore the potential of being a client, how can they do so?
1: Instagram, it's Jim Designer, one word, Jim Designer. There's over 5,000 photographs with all kinds of commentary and recommendations about how to do something different. And that's where you find me, Instagram, at Jim Designer.
0: Perfect. Thanks so much for sharing your insights with the world. Thank
1: you so much for having me. I love this. It's exciting. It's, you watch, brick and mortar coming. It's going to be really good.
0: Hi, everyone. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. I have a huge favor to ask of you. If you found value in this episode, I'd love it if you would please subscribe, review, and share this episode. It would really mean so much to me. I truly love connecting with fitness and wellness experts. So if you'd like to be on the show or are looking for help in your business, definitely drop me a line and connect with me. You can find me at hello at vanessaseveriano.com or my social media handles. Since my last name is not the easiest to spell, I'm going to go ahead and make it really easy for you and link my contact details in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Catch you on the next episode.